All right, well, welcome to another episode of Burritos, Breaks, and Flies. And today we have a super awesome special guest. We have Rick Says from the Outdoor Biz Podcast, uh, which is based out of, where are you at, Rick? Bishop, California. Wonderful. Well, thank you for joining us. Thank Glad you. Glad to have you on. Yeah, thanks. It's been fun. Yeah, and, and uh, Rick, uh, describe where you are. Describe to us your area. So Bishop uh, is on the eastern side of the Sierra Nevada Mountains, which run north and south through California, and we're about due east of Fresno. So if you find Fresno on a map and just go over the mountains to the other side, that's where Bishop is. It's about, you know, give or take five hours from L.A., four hours from the Inland Empire area, and it's just, you know, pretty remote, gorgeous, big mountains on each side, wild land in between. Uh, The Owens Valley is one of the prettiest, largest valleys in the state, I'm pretty sure. And there's so much opportunity for recreation and hanging out and camping and whatnot. It's, it's gorgeous. I can look out my window here in my little studio and see Mount Tom staring at me all snow covered right now. So it's a gorgeous spot. Uh, on one of my trips going through the 395 and a gas station, I think it was actually in Bishop. They sell, Oh, you know what? It, it was um, right where the 14th breaks off from the oh, right. 395 the right. shell. But they sell this, um, poster that it says the Eastern Sierra mountain range and it's got that mountain. It's got every single mountain listed, including Whitney peak. It's, I find myself staring at it a lot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's a nice thing so, to look at. Every um, day. Rick, yeah. Yeah. Um, so Rick, uh, tell us who is Rick says, tell us about yourself. Well, gosh, uh, that's a pretty short story. (laughs) (laughs) I I disagree. (laughs) Well, I've been uh, fortunate to be in the outdoor industry for darn near my entire life. I mean, I, you know, I grew up in Fontana, California, Southern California. My grandfather was an avid outdoors person and took me hunting and hiking and fishing. He actually lived in Bishop, so I got to spend a lot of time up here when I was a kid. I learned to drive up here. And, um... We originally went to college to study architecture, and fortunately for me, the architecture program was full, so I couldn't get in, and I had to do some other stuff and wound up taking some general ed courses and didn't kind of stumble around, didn't know what I was going to do, and got pretty bad grades because I was partying with my buddies too much and went to a JC uh, down at Chafee College to get my grades up. And st- <laughs> they said, you better get you your grades I. up. Oh, really? Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. So they, uh, world. Yeah, exi- yeah, exactly. Um, had to go get my grades up and I stumbled on a wildlife law enforcement class and an environmental biology class. And <clears throat> in the environmental biology class, the professor had, uh, these slides. He did a slideshow of Glen Canyon before the dam was there. And he was you oh. know, pretty much a rebel rouser, protecting the land, you know, all that stuff. And that just struck a chord yeah. in me. And I was looking at the big catalog for Cal Poly Pomona and saw a recreation degree and decided, you know, that's it. I'm going to go back and get a degree in outdoor recreation, the hell with architecture. And thought my dad was going to kick me out of the family when I told him that. That was the second time I <laughs> thought that. And went, <laughs> went to get my outdoor rec degree and, and got my undergrad from Pomona and my master's from, from BYU and taught at an outdoor nice. school for six years um, after I graduated and became a river guide while I was working, you know, in the summer. In the winters, I'd work at the camp, and in the summers, I'd river guide, and weekends, I'd work at Adventure 16 down in San Diego. And just, you know, it, felt, it just fit my life, fit, you know, my heritage, my upbringing, and all that. And here we are 40-some-odd years later, 
you know, I've had great careers with brands like Jansport and Eagle Creek and Dana Design and Low Pro. So it's been super fun. And I get to, nice. you know, play in the outdoors and been fortunate to travel all around the world because of my career. So it's great. That's great. That's super awesome. And it's ironic. You went to JP College. That is so I did. I, I, yeah. And I, I, and so you say alumni. I mean, I went there for a semester. I had a semester to kill before I joined the military. And, uh, yeah. And I, I, at that point, I, I had moved from San Dimas to Alta Loma, uh-huh. and I, fin- I finished high school in Alta Loma, and right up the, I mean, up, you know, up the way is Harvard on a Hill there, JP College, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I knocked out of really just great semester of really bland subjects, and uh, went on my way. That's funny. That's and, funny. Yeah, That's all Cal I did, too, a semester. That was it. A semester, and I was back at Cal Poly. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's about all I can handle at JP. It's just, you know. <laughs> exactly. And how, how did you get? How did you get to Bishop? What a beautiful place! How, yeah. how did you know this is the place I want to live? Um, yeah, well, for you to get there? my grandfather lived here when I was a kid. So, and my mom, uh, they were visiting up here a lot. My grandfather was very active. He hunted, and he was uh, he was a character, pretty much a character. He was he was known for steel making. He was actually. A pretty good steel maker got flown all around the world to teach people how to make steel, and he wow. was retired up here. But he'd been coming up here for years. He had a gold mine and a dolomite mine at some point up here somewhere. I think the dolomite mine was up Nine Mile Canyon, up on the way to the Kern River. And so they've been, you know, right. my mom was coming to Bishop when it was still a dirt road, and he moved up here when uh-huh. I was still That's in uh, junior high. Must not even, yeah, probably junior high because I learned to drive here in Bishop, and so that's how I, you know found Bishop and fell in love with Bishop, just hunting and fishing and hanging out with him. And then over the course of, you know, my adult age, I've always wanted to, to live up here. And it's it's not easy to live up here. It's, it's you know, work is tough to find, and it's economically a little on the depressed side. But it's just it's a beautiful place to live, super great people. And if you can find something to do either here or find something to do remote, like a podcast or something, I think there's no place better. So, Absolutely. And then, so what, what inspired you to, to set forth with, uh, with your podcast, the Outdoor Biz Podcast. You know, how did how did that come about? Yeah, pretty funny story there. So I was um, working, I'd <clears throat> worked at Jansport for a while, and a recruiter talked me out of that role to go to work for Lopro, and I was living in Alameda. So I traded a 10-minute commute for a 45-minute commute one way. So I had a lot of, uh, <laughs> and in, in Bay Area traffic, no less. So I had a lot of time in the car, and I was started to listen to podcasts and whatnot, and a few years into the low pro job, I got laid off <clears throat> and I'm sitting at home thinking, now oh, what the hell am I going to do now? You know? And I don't know what, yeah. I don't know what triggered me, but I thought, what if I just do a podcast? And one of the shows I was listening to a lot was the Tim Ferriss show. And Tim Ferriss uh-huh. is, is a guy, basically he's, he's a wicked smart guy and he's done all kinds of things in his life. And he's pretty interesting in the way he tests things and tries things and analyzes things. And, but you know, in a nutshell on his show, he basically just interviews all his buddies in the tech space or the you know nutrition space or whatever it might be. And I thought, hell, I can interview all my buddies in the outdoor space. And it would be a great way to share their stories and share their experiences and, and kind of help others that want to get into the outdoor industry break in and how, how to grow their career or start a career. So I you know did a bunch of research online. And Tim Ferriss is, again, one of the persons I looked at for, for getting into podcasting. And he's got a, a blog post, I think it is, about you know getting into it. And he says, you know, don't commit to it. Don't don't buy a bunch of gear. Don't spend a bunch of money. He said, you might not like it. He said, just try two or three or four and see if you like it. And if you like it, then you can, you know, buy some equipment and then get going. And 
So I did. I had some some equipment that I could use from some of the photography interviews that I was doing and stuff. I had a Zoom recorder and had some lav mics, and I figured out how to use Skype and did a couple of interviews with some buddies of mine, a couple of them in Bishop, and one was a photographer in Seattle. And, and I, it just it was a blast. It really was fun talk, just having a conversation with people and hearing their – because some of these stories that people tell on the show, even though I've known them for years, I haven't heard. So it was pretty fun to hear how they got into the outdoors, how they got connected to the outdoors, how they started their career. And it's great just to share those with the greater world, not only just the outdoor industry, but other people. And um, here we are, 200 and I think I recorded 200, episode 208 or 209 this week. So yeah, it's been fun. Wow. That's, that's quite a few episodes. I can't even that right now. <laughs> I tell you, man, it goes by quick. Some, it's amazing. I can't believe it's already at 200. Wow. It seems like just yesterday. What are some uh, some things that stood out to you that you, you realized doing podcasts that you hadn't before? Well, the biggest thing that stands out to me is, you know, there's nothing like the human voice. And right. You know, I think there's so many things that, that if you read something on a page and then hear somebody read it to you, you could get two completely different interpretations of what that what those words said. And it's based on inflection right. and tone and emotion and all these things. And I think that's the beauty of a podcast is you can sit by your phone, sit in your car, sit wherever it is, and it's almost like old-time radio. And you can hear someone come across the speaker and put you in the place where they are at that moment. You can't. You, you can sort of do that in a book, but it's really not the same as having someone hear that. You know, inspiration and and you know motivation, and whether they're scared or excited or you know whatever it might be. So I think really that's to me that it's just the human voice. You can really reach people in a different way, and I think a more impactful way with your voice. And a podcast is a great way to do that. I don't care whether you're just you know, telling stories like we are today, or if you're trying to communicate something about your brand or your product or your your business, whatever it is, I think it's a great way to go. Yeah, I think essentially it's a uh, um, it's a great way of you know transfer of enthusiasm, basically. Exactly. You know, it's just, yeah. You know, what you said. You know, that you you can you can capture that that emotion. Um, yeah, I mean, well said. You know, and and how do I see it? Forcing, forcing the mind to be in that place where that person's telling that story from. Well, I think the beauty of it is powerful. Yeah, I think the beauty of it is though you don't have to force the mind. The mind goes right there, right? Based yeah. based on the yeah, the excitement or the inspiration or the trepidation or whatever is coming out of that voice, your mind goes right there. You don't have to think right. about going there. You don't have to contemplate going there. Whatever that person's saying. Boom, you're right there. Oh my God, this sounds crazy. Why is he going right. to do this? You know, or whatever it might be. So, yeah. For sure. Force was a strong word. I think I was just trying to sound smart. I, do that <laughs> <laughs> uh, I spend a lot of time with Nico being very humble. He's very intelligent. No, it's a good word. It's a good word, but I think it's a little more, yeah. it's a little more passive than that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, I got, I got to dig into this a little bit, you know, you being a Bishop, uh, you know, and you having, you know, everything from childhood experiences there to living there now, you, you got to give us a little taste of, you know, the, the fly fishing, the fishing <laughs> culture there, because it's regarded as, you know, what we have, in my opinion, we have two fly fishing meccas and you're in one of them. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, what's, what's that like? I mean, is it, you know, does it, does it look at you in the face every day or is it something that you're like, Oh yeah, by the way, I keep forgetting to tell myself I live in a fly fishing Mecca. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, it's like? interesting. It's, well, I think it's, uh, it's almost like the mountains, you know, I don't say you want to, I don't want to say you take it for granted, but it's there every day. It's an activity that you can do every day. And the beauty one of the good things and bad things about Bishop and the Owens Valley both is that L.A. owns all the land. I mean, there's millions, yeah. of, you know, bunches of books and millions of stories, and this goes back to the 20s, how that, how that all happened, and I won't go into that. But I think if L.A. hadn't done what they did, L.A. would be here, and we wouldn't have all this. So the good news is the land oh. is all locked up. They can't, you know, they, there will not be more houses built. There will not be you know, more companies and factories and whatnot. It's L.A. wants all the water to go down. And if anything, it's exact opposite. They don't want anybody else up here to sip it on the straw. They want to keep it and send it downstream to L.A. Mm. So the beauty is all this uh. land, even though it's owned by them, you know, they're pretty decent stewards. They're not great. I don't think anybody's perfect, but we have access to this. And we don't have to wait for fishing season to open. The Lower Owens is open year-round. And there's certain um, rules and regs that you can go fish or fish on. So you can go out and, you know, fish for brown trout year-round. It's beautiful. Snowing or 108 degrees in the summer, whatever it is. And, and in addition to that, there's all kinds of other activities, whether it's climbing or bouldering or skiing or hiking or mountain biking. It's just unlimited. So the, back, the, the backpacking is also incredible. Yep, the backpacking. Yeah, that's a little seasonal. You can't do that year-round. But, yeah, it's um, you, I guess you can if you go out to – to Death Valley and some of those spots, but it's just it's just a fabulous recreation area. So it's just um, pretty unique in that in that aspect, I think. Yeah, and I think it almost has it has this this illustrious intimidation factor that that has a draw, you know, to mm-hmm. to the outdoors to the outdoorsmen. And of course, I mean, we'll tailor it a little bit here to you know, like fly fishing, but it's it's intimidating in the fact where it's like, yeah, I can go and I can go to these Sierras and I can hit all these different little bodies of water. And, you know, but you're more intimidated by who's going to be out there. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, like just, just because it, it, it demands, it demands a different level of, yeah. Yeah. uh, you know, of, of skill, you know, and technical prowess. And that's something that you can only achieve by spending time out there, I think, but it's, yeah. Well, and I think that's true of fishing in general. You got to know what you're doing to catch fish. It's it's one thing to go to the river, but you got to know what you're doing, and you got to you know. I tell everybody stop by the local fly shop, see what's going on, because you're going to be miles ahead if you don't. If you if you go out there and not stop, so go talk to those guys, see what's happening, go out to the river, and you know, get your rig on and see what you can do. So yeah, it's great. Yeah, my uh, grandpa, I mentioned in your podcast, who um, is an avid outdoors person. Yeah. He lived in Alantia. Oh, my cool. My dad spent his freshman, sophomore year out there. And he was talking about, he, my dad was telling me a story where this Native American that lived with him for a time, he would always catch like 10 times more fish than anyone else <laughs> he was with. Yeah. He just had a way and a knowledge of, you know, what the fish are biting, how to, what the presentation should look like. And, um, I really like that you suggested talking to your your shops down there because they'll kind of know uh, more than others as opposed to you just showing up kind of alone. Yeah, well, that's the first yeah. thing I do. Yeah, I have a, a good buddy of mine that I fished uh, around the world with, and that's that's one of the things that we just swear by is local knowledge, right? You just 
you just learn so much from getting that local knowledge of what's going on, what the weather's doing. Because, you know, I fished here since I was a kid, and there are still days when I go out there and don't catch fish. It's just for whatever reason, you know, it's not happening that day. So, and I've got years of local knowledge. Yeah, we fished, uh, yeah. Yeah, pretty fun. What are some of your favorite places for things to stand out? Um, Well, Alaska is, I think, off the charts. I mean, that's just, you know, there's so many different types of fish to catch, and there's so many. It's, again, another place like the Eastern Sierra. It's so huge and so beautiful and so, you know, whether you're going to go up there and fill an ice chest full of sockeye when the sockeye are running or I've been fortunate to do a couple of river trips up there and, you know, fish for beautiful trout. And it's just, it's a great spot. I don't think you can beat it. And what do you, what would you say locally? I mean, I know you mentioned the Owens, but do you have, and you, you could give it its real name or a fake name, <laughs> but do you have a, do you, do you have a favorite, you know, in, in the Bishop area or the Eastern Sierras where you're like, you know, if I had one river that I had to consistently fish, you know, and, and I had to narrow it down to one. I mean, do you do you have one? Um, it's probably the lower Owens just because of the access. It's so easy. I mean, the weather is a lot yeah. more mild in Bishop than it is on the upper Owens or Hot Creek. Um, so you right. can go here pretty much year round. Even when it's snowing, it's it's pretty rare the day when it's blowing snow and totally freezing. Um, whereas if you go onto the upper Owens, it's pretty exposed, and you can have some really cold days up there. And same with Hot Creek, huh. but uh, and the Owens is just you know it's so accessible that the I'm not going to give you all the details on where, but it's uh, I don't give away any that many secrets. But the Lower Owens, is, <laughs> <laughs> you know, roads roads cross it a number of places. So just park your car and walk for a little ways downstream or upstream, and you'll be into the fish. Yeah, and you know here's here's a little bit of a commerce question, but how do you feel? How beneficial has um the sport been, you know, for your town in general, do you see a majority of, um, you know, the town's, I guess, you know, income base coming from traveling fly fishermen, you know, is there, is there a season there for that, you know, or does, does the town bank on it at all? Or, you know, how, how does that weigh into the economy? Well, in Bishop? we do have a holiday called Fishmas. So that that probably tells you all you need to know right there. <laughs> the the lower not all parts of the river are open year round, um, right? And so there is a season, and the opening day is Fishmas, and it's uh, right around the end of April every year, and the town goes uh-huh. nuts. I mean, every it just the town sells out, the campgrounds all sell out. I mean, it is truly like a major holiday around here. Everything is the hotels are all full, the restaurants are all full. Opening day of fishing season, it's kind of the kickoff to summer, so camping starts yeah. and the higher lakes are open and and it's just yeah, it's just huge. And and then from Fishmas until you know the end of the season, which is I think sometime in September, it's just, it's what's all about. I mean, everybody comes up here to fish. So yeah, it's Fishmas. You got to experience it one. And the beauty of Fishmas, I think one of the things that the fishing gods have helped us with is it seems to always snow or have bad weather on Fishmas. So it's huh. uh, it's it's funny how that works out. I used to be a river guide on the Kern River, and the season started in April. And, you know, it, you'd have some warm days, and the water would start to pick up. But you could count on a, sn- a storm on Memorial Day. And Memorial Day is, you know, you're getting close to June. The days are warming up, and the people would call, come from L.A., and they'd get all camped and ready to go. And never failed on Memorial Day. We'd see all those folks in town. They'd have tents strapped to the back of their cars, flapping in the wind and gear hanging off as they 
piled everything in the car and got the hell to town so they could have a warm breakfast. It's just hilarious. Christmas <laughs> is like that here. It's that, just uh, it's just insane. That's that's great that you mentioned that because that that seems to be a a, a common reoccurrence along the Eastern Sierras, everywhere from you know like say the Reno area yeah. down down that way is is we'll have the weather starts to really ease up and have really you know beautiful days you know like like today you know it's early april it's a gorgeous day it's beautiful here yeah and it'll kind of yeah yeah it'll off and on you know you have a little bit of yeah it's uh, 60 probably almost 70 here today and i think it'll be snowing tomorrow night or sunday so yeah Right, that's, that's right. about right. <laughs> yeah, they say in Reno, if you don't like the weather, wait five minutes. That's right. right, yeah, yeah. Probably the case yeah. with you guys. Yeah, what do we have today? I think we're going to peak out at 58 today, but yeah. it's, it's gorgeous outside. But we're going to have the same thing as you. We're we're going to run into that weekend storm, and it'll be snowing and, you know, cold, and, and then it'll just flip back. But even cold. But I mean, yeah, this time of year, the cold is only, you know, maybe it's 45, you know, th- maybe low 40s. It's yeah. not, it's not. I fished, uh, I had one, uh, there's about four or five epic days I've had on the lower Owens here. And I had one the other day. It was freezing cold late in the day. The sky was that steel gray. You know, you knew it was going to snow and it was spitting snow a little bit. And the fish were just rising all over the place. And I must have missed eight and landed two, a couple nice browns. And just, you know, those days on the lower Owens are just spectacular. I mean, you get them, you get them with these, these, uh, Nymph hatches. I don't know what exactly was hatching that day, but then also sometimes the caddis will be going off, and it's just it's unbelievable. You can't almost can't not catch fish. It's fun. Wow, that's great. Yeah, that sounds that sounds phenomenal. Like we we do share a similar thing. I mean, on the Truckee, and Ben has he'll experience this. He's experienced some hatches, but it looks like we'll have what we'll call a normal water year here, meaning that we'll have somewhat normal flows on the Truckee, mm-hmm. and. Uh, that means when we get into that June, July time frame, especially like say in the Verdi area, around between eight thirty, nine o'clock at night, um, it's great dry fly yeah. fishing. Yeah, we get that too. That we do have it. it, and you get these bug hatches that you literally have to put a hoodie on. <laughs> yeah, right. to avoid you know, because we get that slight breeze right when the sun completely goes down. Yeah, you still have that that light, and it just sends this little slight breeze to the canyon, and sends all those bugs right into your face you know <laughs> yeah. so or mouth <laughs> <laughs> or mouth you know and, and it's usually like you know some caddis but it's just right right just just the most massive yellow sally hatches you ever seen you're just like what is going on you yeah know? super just, fun yeah yeah you know and your fly is insignificant in the water you're just like there's so many bugs you're like it's actually harder to catch fish. it is yeah it is i mean you're, <laughs> yeah you're hoping that you get it at the right time because it's it looks like all the other bugs and they're just eating anything they can eat yeah it's interesting right <laughs> Right. <laughs> and we happen to actually be right here. Uh, this is the place where I had my first hatch experience. We're oh, cool. On our end, Nico and I are here in Verdi. Uh, for our listener, you might have heard a couple uh, uh, fly fishermen drive by. We're on the road. Um, I've heard it pronounced 50 different ways, but Quillacy Ranches. Yeah, Quillacy Ranch Road. Quillacy Ranch Road? Quillacy Ranch Road. Okay. Yeah. It's actually close to the very first train robbery in the west yeah uh, here in verdi huh. yeah a uh, couple a couple hundred yards away from that kind house. of in a big valley yeah yeah hey that that treasure's never been recovered either by the way wells fargo's still looking for it well, and that we... was in the late late 1800s wow <laughs> so, that's good to know yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know I, I know when i passed through bishop um 
I'll stop at different places. Obviously, there's a very popular place. I think it's Eric Schatz Bakery where, you know, yep. the tourists like to stop. But what are some of your favorite places to eat there? Well, let's see. Um, Astorga's is a Mexican restaurant on the north side of town, um, on the west side of the highways you're coming in. They have really good Mexican food. We've got a couple of others in town, uh, El Ranchito, and I'm drawing a blank on the other one's name. But, um, yeah, really good Mexican food. I, 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 my default food is Mexican food. I'll go for Mexican food over anything um, if I get a chance. But I never, go, I rarely go to shots. I shouldn't say never. I rarely go to shots. Um, we also have a new brewery in town, the Mountain Rambler Brewery. So uh, we're usually yeah. in there every Friday about 5 o'clock, you know, wrapping up the week and having a couple of beers. They have some good food in there too. Yeah, it's, uh, it's plenty of spots. So, so while we're on the topic of food, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to dip into one of our favorite topics <laughs> is uh, I like to talk about your favorite burrito. And, and I'm going to, I'm going to spread this in a couple of different directions for you. So the first direction is going to be, um, if you have a that favorite burrito in town and then two would probably be like maybe your favorite burrito, you know, or your best burrito memory period, you know, and we'll go in that direction. So let's, let's, may, maybe they meet, maybe they meet, maybe it's the same thing. I don't know. You know, but <laughs> well, you know, I don't think you gotta be careful though. We gotta be careful about crossing beams on that, like in Ghostbusters, right? Right. How's it go, Ben? Right. The streams. You, yeah, you no don't crossing. want to cross the streams. Right. <laughs> absolutely necessary. Right. That could be scary. That could be really, really scary. Um, I don't right. think I probably couldn't find the burrito place that was one of my favorites as a kid, just because it's uh, I think it's gone, or I, I don't know where where it might be. Um, but That's there used to be better. these, my dad used to take me out. There's out. My dad worked at the steel mill in Fontana, California. And so we'd always go down, you know, oh, okay. once in a while. And, you know, he, he was a big burrito fan, but the, I couldn't eat them because they would just burn your lips off. They were so hot. I don't know what was, uh, what the deal was there, but they were really good, but really hot. Um, so one of the favorite places in town I go is Amigos. That's the other one. It's next to El Ranchito down on main street. And uh, they have a great, I'm a big carne asada guy. Name. Usually when I get a burrito, it's a carne asada burrito, just a standard, okay. you know, carne asada, pretty basic. But it's got to have a lot of carne asada, got to have a little heat to it. I'm learning, I'm, you know, grew up burning my lips off, so I'm used to that. So. Right. <laughs> but, yeah, that's right. uh, That's my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. And so I think I think that's where we would, we would duel a little bit. I think I don't have really an issue with carne asada, but I, I, I find burritos – in one of their purest forms and, and best expression of the artist that assembled the burrito would be in the carnitas burrito. Mm-hmm. There's it's, it's something about the carnitas ability to capture the soul and the spirit of the cook or the chef that's making it. <laughs> like if he's having that good day, the good vibes, you can taste that in that carnitas burrito. See, that's the beauty of, and, of carnitas and, carne asada though because i think the same thing can happen yeah. if someone does carne asada right that's true you can go that's get carne true. asada and it is not off the charts carne asada it's a good burrito but it's not great just like you can go get a good carne right. burrito and it's a good burrito but it's not great it really depends right. on the meat right and i think that's the beauty of burritos and my other favorite would be just a you know chorizo and egg breakfast burrito my family's from spain and oh. my grandfather uh we have the homemade uh 
family chorizo recipe. So it's a little different than Mexican chorizo. Oh, wow. But uh, we grew up with, oh, no. with chorizo in our family all the time, and um, we had a smoker in the backyard. So there's uh, there's nothing like a you know chorizo and egg breakfast burrito, but it's got to be done. It's, you know the chorizo has to be good. There can't be you know eggs. It can't be potatoes. It's got to be chorizo and egg. It's got to be done right. So right. Yeah, no, I, and that that's a kryptonite for me right there is uh, is chorizo, chorizo, man. That stuff I I love it, and I'll overindulge in it, you know. But it's it's hard to find a good one, so yeah, I'm pretty yeah. intrigued the fact that you have a you have a super secret family recipe. We might have to talk about that offline. Yeah, we'll have to uh, <laughs> well we'll have to make some of that and then get some smoked up. I have the family recipe. It's a little. It's a little, uh, it's, like I say, it's very Spanish influence. So it goes well in yeah. paella and things like that. Um, it's okay in a burrito, but right. it's the Mexican chorizo is better in a burrito, I think. So. Right, right. Um, yeah, I'm just super like hungry right now. Sorry, <laughs> we can do that. We can do that in our part too. We have a plan for the listener uh, that we are going to meet up and we are going to that's all right fly fish together. Yep. Yep, that that's going to be epic, and yeah, and we we did plan that before, but we had a, a storm. We got winded out. out of yeah, that. we got winded out. Yeah, literally, and we had we had the most perfect spot picked out. I think maybe we could still return to it. But oh, totally. It, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just it just yeah, that would have been also the most awful spot to be, just right on the the leeward side of the storm, right in the you know the base of the mountain. Well, that's to that valley. You guys are probably pretty <laughs> used to the wind up there too. That's the other thing about living here in Bishop is we get lots of wind. You have to like the wind. So, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's it's a love hate thing where it's like we, we we don't like it, but we have to endure it. And we found that some of our best fishing days, or sometimes some of our good fishing days, will come yeah. on those windy days. Yeah. O- only because there's no one else on the river. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, I'm used to it growing you know, up in Fontana. It used to rip right down Cajon Pass, and you know, it blew my little sister. She was walking to school one day. She was in kindergarten and knocked her over. She went home and didn't go to school that day. So we're used to the wind, Whoa. too. <laughs> yeah. That's great. <laughs> she was all bundled nice. up, you know. She had a big jacket on, and, you know, she could hardly move, the poor little girl. And big gusts of wind came over, and she just tipped over like a one of those, you know, blow-up dolls, that the bouncy dolls that tip over and pop back up, tip over and pop back up. You can't knock them down. And... Uh, <laughs> That's great. I always think of uh, Christmas story. That's what I'm picturing right now. I can't move my arms. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's it. That's right. it. Exactly. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I really like that you took that initiative to just go out there and, and create a podcast. And, you know, you're on, as you as you've mentioned, I don't know if you've mentioned or not, but you've done over 200 episodes. Um, I've had a chance to listen to some of them. Thanks. Um, and yeah, I just really like uh, kind of what you're doing for the outdoor industry. And, and, you know, personally for you, what, what do you want your listener, you know, what, what do you, would you like to have as a result of your podcast or your goals with it basically? Well, I think a couple of things. I think the first thing is, you know, it's more about the guest. It's about is as much about the guest as it is about the listener because I want to be able to you know the outdoor industry has been very very good to me over the years and it's made up of you know a collection of fantastic people you know, across a bunch of disciplines from 
excuse me, product designers to sales guys to marketing guys to brand founders and and I've been lucky enough to, you know, grow up in the industry kind of as it started. I mean, it was really in its infancy when I got in in the late mid 80s, early 80s and at at A16 down in San Diego and it's, you know, exploded into this 880 plus billion dollar industry now that, you know, is a true economic engine for the country and the people that that I get that I rub elbows with at trade shows and, and business are just fabulous people, and they all have unique stories to tell about either how they got into the industry or how they got excited about the outdoors. So that's part of it. And then I think the other part for the listener is, you know, there's a lot of us that play outdoors. I mean, you know, living in Reno, living in Bishop, we see a lot of them, whether they're fishing or mountain biking or climbing. And I would hope that they would get inspired by some of these stories. And if they ever had an inkling of wanting to get into the industry, man, this is the place to go because, you know, these people all talk about their careers and how they got in and they give advice about, you know, getting in the industry or growing your career. So that's the two things. And then the other, th- the third thing would be if you have any inkling of an idea for a podcast, I would encourage you to just do it. And if you want to, you know, talk about it, don't hesitate to reach out to me happy to talk you through it, but it's really not as hard as it looks or sounds. It's not as expensive as you would think. And, you know, it's, I think of all the podcasts out there, there's still less than a million podcasts out there in the world. Most people start a podcast and they get to like episode seven or eight and get distracted or get bored or get whatever. So there's still plenty of opportunity to create a really long running, great podcast on whatever topic you want to talk about. Because if there's one person if you like that topic, I guarantee you there's thousands of other people at least that like it as well. So whether it's brewing beer or the outdoor industry or fly fishing or burritos, whatever it might be, do not hesitate. Right. It just seems like if you, if you keep it relevant and, and mindful, you yeah. know, of, yeah. of the topic at hand, you know, you'll have, you know, you'll have a, uh, how do you say it, a, a steady as she goes type, you know, yeah. thing going on there, you know, yeah. just yeah. keep on going, you know, and it was, and you'll keep on attracting listeners and, and, you know, yeah. bringing good and great guests on board. And I think you've done a, just, just again, kudos and credit to you, you know, with, with 200 plus episodes, <laughs> you know, that's, 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 that's quite an achievement. That's, that's really a great reach out. Um, and then having it centered around the outdoor industry, you know, what a great go-to yeah. for folks in the outdoor industry to, to learn about each other and, and not, not from a competitive element, but it's just like, Hey, look, I'm, I'm making gizmo. X, Y, Z, right. You know, I'm making zippers. I'm making zippers for sleeping bags and jackets, but this guy over here is making graphite rod blanks, but you know what they have in common is they have a starting process and a finished process and how you get there, you know, and how you do that successfully. And I think by you, you know, you having these folks on board, you know, and and talking about, you know, everything from, from that to, you know, how, how they navigate that outdoor world. That's, yeah, it's pretty very unique. Pretty fun. Yeah. Yeah. And that's awesome that you're the guy doing it. Yeah. yeah, It's pretty fun. Yeah. (laughs) And yeah, there, people have been generous with their time too. It's been great, you know. People that I mean, I know a lot of people. Obviously, have been doing it for so long, but it's been great reaching out to people I don't really, you know, have a direct relationship with, and they just come on, come on, and tell their story, and it's fab- super fun. Yeah, yeah. I, I like that a piece of your stewardship goes into not just the podcast and having their, you know, voice and be heard and in their product, but also you help businesses grow themselves how did you transition into that well um i think it's a combination of just over the years that's what i've done you know as as my day job i was the director of sales at eagle creek so i was you know directly responsible for sales and we grew that business from 
25 to $50 million in about five years. And it was during the heyday of adventure travel. We created the adventure travel category at retail, which is super fun. Um, so, you know, the sales experience, the marketing experience, again, working with independent retailers around the country, around the world, you know, seeing all the things that they go through. And then when I transitioned into product, you know, helping design and create cool new products to bring them to market is super fun. And, and I think it's just, you know, helping people bring their dreams to life is, is pretty cool. It's a pretty cool thing, whether it's a retailer or product designer, um, I'll give you a little little uh, early warning. I'm working on a second podcast um, that's going to be about product design, and it's going to be oh, cool. targeted towards helping all the, you know, creators and makers and inventors and people that have an idea they want to bring to life. Not only design, but then sell it and scale it if they'd like. So I'm putting together a team of freelancers to to work on that. So that'll be coming up pretty soon. But it's just it's just somewhere in my nature where I like to help people, you know, do their thing and see their thing come to life. It's it's super fun. That's great. And then what is the best way for the listener, somebody who wants to, you know, grow their business, connect their customer to the outdoors? How, how should they get a hold of you? Well, two places. Uh, one, you can find me at uh, theoutdoorbizpodcast.com. That's where the podcast lives. And I've just started, um, I, not just, it's been going, going a while now, the podcaster's workshop. So if you want to learn about podcasting, talk about podcasting, start your own podcast, go to thepodcastersworkshop.com. There's some resources there, podcast uh, cheat sheet to download the 10 steps to launching a podcast. You can schedule a 15-minute brainstorm with me. We'll just talk about your idea and you know, you'll walk away with some ideas and plans that you can actually take action on and get going, get moving ahead. You can hire me as a coach if you want. Um, and then I have a done for you service. If you, you know, you want you're a business out there, you're a small business, a big business, you don't have a podcast, but you've always been interested in it and want to do it. I have a team of people that will do it for you. So there's a bunch of ways to work with me that way. And then I'm also available just to consult with people, you know, as an independent consultant and help you sort through whatever it is you want to sort through, your sales process, your marketing process, your, you know, product development team, want some inspiration, working with factories in Asia, wherever it might be, all those things. Yeah. That's great. Um, and then, also, you know, we're in a time that's unprecedented and yeah. um, uncertain with uh, COVID-19. And a lot of people probably have some great ideas that the market needs and they might be hesitant to, to get into it right now. What do you feel or what advice do you have for them in this climate? Well, if you look back in history and you look at the things like this that have happened before, um, whether it's the Great Depression or the mortgage crash or whatever it might be, out of the ashes, be, a bunch of things come to life. So we don't know what those things are going to be. We don't know how it's going to be, but it's gonna, there's going to be opportunity. And I think if you're thinking about something that you want to do, if you always thought about you, you know bringing this product to life or this business to life or whatever it is, there's a lot of, we have a lot of downtime and there's a lot of people, you know, staying at home, not working, not doing anything. And you're, you know, you don't go and stir crazy, man. Now's the time to look into launching that thing, whatever it might be a podcast. You know, you've got a little fishing gadget that you've, Oh, I need to sell that. That could be great in Cabela's. Go explore it. Go look at what you want to do, you know, and find somebody that can help you, whether it's a coach or a, a podcaster or someone, a buddy, you know, two buddies can start something together. I mean, whatever it might be. But that's that's the main thing is out of all these tragedies, opportunity rises eventually. And I think that's going to happen in a big way coming soon. 
when this thing, yeah, when we get over COVID-19 yeah. and we're all back together, man, it's going to rock and roll, I think. Absolutely. I think there's a flip side to everything. I mean, we're going to find better ways to do business, you know, better ways to approach, you know, everyday life, you know, and, and, you know, it's, it's like if, uh, with anything it's, it's, you know, we're all developing contingencies, you know, so yeah, yeah. if we ever find ourselves in a, in a situation like this, again, it probably won't be, you know, maybe it won't be as, as traumatic or, you know, shifting gears isn't going to be as abrupt and we're going to be like, Oh, this is going to suck. But, um, Hey, I know how to do it. Right. I know, right. I know how to, I know how to work from home. I know how to do this and that, you know, right. and Oh, the, the advantage is just like you said, you know, development time, you yeah. know, yeah. um, you know, what can, what can I come up with that can, you know, well, because mo- the other, thing that holds most of us back is we all have, you know, whether whatever idea we have in the back of our head or multiple ideas, you know, the day job in life gets in the way. And so now you don't have that excuse, right? You don't have the day job. Or right. A lot of us don't. Or you, maybe you have the day job, but it's only a couple hours a day because you're working remote from home, whatever it might be. But it's is now, now is a great opportunity to, you know, see if that thing has legs. And there's a bunch of people waiting, ready to help you. Absolutely. And and just just as we kind of come to the end of this, I want could you give us your uh, your podcast your, your uh, podcast address one more time because I think you have a lot of uh, inspiration there. People could listen to you to maybe kind of be like, oh, <laughs> yeah. what if? Yeah, well, yeah. It's the Outdoor Biz Podcast. You can find it on uh, the Outdoor Biz Podcast on Apple Podcasts. Nice. Spotify, Pandora, wherever, all the all the places, it lives there. And you can go to theoutdoorbizpodcast.com. That's the website. Um, and it's really uh, where the episodes live. There's really not a lot of podcasting resources on that website. Those all live at thepodcastersworkshop.com. Um, but there's a link on the other one. So you, you can go on either of those places and find me. You can reach out to me. You can find me at Rick Says on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I'm all LinkedIn. You know, like everybody, I'm in all the places these days. I'd love to hear from you. Love awesome. to, I love awesome. to hear people's ideas. That's the other cool thing, too. You know, there's some super creative people out there that just have some wicked ideas. It's like, man, I wish I'd have thought of that. That's a great idea. That'd be a great, I want that. You right, know. right. My Mind-blowing stuff that's just like, man, that's been sitting in front of my face all right. the time, and I just would never have seen it. Exactly, exactly, <laughs> right. yeah. Yeah. I think Very cool. you can you can be like the... A Facebook movie where you'll be like, "Oh, I'm sorry, we're having a technical problem getting your podcast out there," and then at the same time pushing the product. No, <laughs> 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 that's a different podcast, I think. <laughs> right, right, yeah. right, right. Well, well, well. Thanks for uh, thanks for coming on, and I think what we're going to leave this open for uh, for a part two, and Ben yeah. and I were just kind of thinking out loud and I think you kind of drift of it. Like we'll do the outside piece, but I think we need to tie in the Ohana burrito somehow to that too. So we can have the outdoor version of podcast number two. Perfect. And we'll do something brand new. We'll do a live burrito review maybe or something. That'd be we'll fun. That'd be great. On that. yep. Yeah. Yep. We'll, do, we'll do an activity and uh, for the, on the river and then also for food. We'll yeah, and let's let some together. people know about. It. Let's make a little event about it out of it. Maybe you know, tell people, yeah. hey, we're going to be fishing here and eating burritos here on this day. Come and join us. That'd be a blast. Yeah, yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah, that'd yeah. be great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. right on. Innovation. <laughs> <laughs> well, awesome, Rick. Thanks, thanks for coming again. We yeah. appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, thanks uh, for having me on, yeah, guys. It's been fun. Yeah, yeah, awesome. And we look forward to you know doing this again here in the near future. Sounds good. I'll see you then. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you, Rick. All right. Bye bye.
Leave our rain.